Welcome, everyone, to Nompro's review of Masters of the Universe Revelations, both parts. I am your host, Frank, joined by your other hosts, Pete, Len, and Al. And we're going to be talking all about that Netflix original series, um, the reboot, really, or continuation. Uh, my phone is already buzzing like crazy. Nerd, <laughs> you can comment uh, during the live show, and we will we will uh, elevate them up on the screen. But uh, yeah, we're going to be talking about the Kevin Smith Netflix series, one of two new Masters of the Universe products that uh, we have been blessed with. Maybe there's only one. Uh, there's only this one. At least Al and I are going to talk a little bit about the other one. But, um, maybe. Uh, this I was all over the place on 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 Revelations. Uh, we're going to be full spoilers for both parts, obviously. And uh, I don't know until the end of this episode, this episode we're doing right now. I don't know how I'm going to come down on the series. I don't know if I'm going to be yay or nay. Uh, but before we begin, let's take a moment, shall we? I'm going to come on, just get close to me right now. Did you know that that Masters of the Universe was Basically, just a thirty-minute-long toy commercial in the eighties. No, yeah, everybody knows that. We know what we're talking about. You have voluntarily ch chosen to watch this YouTube video of a bunch of dorks talking about Masters of the Universe. So, uh, yeah, we 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 know what this is. It's fun. We're having fun. We're enjoying ourselves. Uh, don't be sticks in the mud. I and two more. Yeah, I, was, go I ahead, think Ken. the fact that it was a Mattel production should have been a sign. It was a hint, <laughs> a, a suggestion, perhaps. Yeah. Um, I mean, a lot of what, I a lot of what we talk up. about is all about marketing and pushing for product and stuff like that. It's, yeah, you know. I think that's going to come up a lot. Uh, two other like extremes, because this is the uh, 21st century and the internet. Uh, did this murder your childhood? And is nostalgia a poison that is uh, destroying the masses? Uh, we we don't have to worry about either of those things. It's not going to be either extreme. Uh, we may hate or love this thing, but it doesn't necessarily need to go down to that that kind of obnoxious level. All right. Uh, yeah. I, I, where do we begin? Maybe just a quick recap of what happened in Revelation. This is going to be a re uh, like a blow by blow recap of uh, any part of Revelations, but we. Where were we? Uh, he man dies in again, in the, yes. So, in the first part, he man died, and then it was the quest to find he man's ghost, more or less, right? <laughs> the quest, no, it was the quest to bring magic back to Eternia. That's yeah. a little bit more accurate. Uh, so they got a that, group of good guys and bad guys together to go, uh, go on the quest, right? Right, and uh, you know, it's they went through all the different levels of Eternia and Eternia's heaven and hell that's important, it comes up later. And then uh, it ends with He-Man returning, being resurrected, just in, well, at least Adam being resurrected, just in time to be killed by Skeletor again. Uh, or, you know, kind of killed. Run through with the sword, and then Skelegod appears. I said that in a very Kevin Smith way. Not going to lie, I loved the concept at the end of that. Finally, the bad guy obtaining the power. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, mm. and you could tune into part one of this uh, of this mini series of us covering this. I think we mostly came out ahead of this. I think we all enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, uh, although we had like you know mixed feelings about certain parts of Revelations Part One. That's where we left off in Revelations Part Two. It picks up exactly where we left off with Adam, you know, dying out. Right, he was dealt a fatal wound. He was not killed at the end of pretty, Revelations Part One. Pretty gory too, actually. Yeah. yeah. It, it, well, you know, more blood than you would have gotten in the eighties, certainly. Yeah. And uh, our heroes having to kind of deal with this all-powerful Skelegon. So, um, overall thoughts: What do you think Revelations kind of paid off? Where the Part two kind of did part two follow perfectly after part one to my illustrious host. Anybody want to go first? I'll Ken? be honest, I I enjoyed the ride pretty much through part two. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what I specifically asking though yeah. is did it did it actually pay off of where we landed with in part one? So part one we I get Skelegod. And... I think in the most part it did. Like when we yeah. when we pick up with part two, 
I do feel like we're we are essentially exactly where we left off. This could have just been the next episode afterwards. Um, I don't even I don't even know. Like, I mean, I, it, I don't know if it interrupted the pacing that much. Like, I almost kind of feel like I wish they just all been released at once. I don't know what the scheduling was or how it worked with part one and part two, why it shook out that way. But being that it just happened immediately afterwards, I think it would have been better if it had just kept going. I would argue that Prince Adam was a bit more definitively killed at the end of part one than he was when we pick up. Mm -hmm. I, I, I feel like there was there was a degree of healing that <laughs> took place. He, uh, he he was a little bit more stable, it seemed, at yeah. part two. So I understand narratively the need for it, but yeah, I, I I don't think we needed to have it quite that uh, de definitive at the end of part one. Yeah, I, and I, I think there was a lot of like misdirections for the part one with you know He Man being dead, right? Even in, in the <laughs> first episode when he dies, it, it we all kind of feel like, well, yeah, he's dead for now obviously yeah. there's gonna be more it, it definitely came off to me like the the death and return of superman yeah for he man yeah 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 and if depending on your age group when you're viewing this you're either gonna be like oh this will be a fun ride i can't wait to see how they're gonna do it or you're gonna be like you or you're gonna be screaming in the internet saying oh <laughs> you ruined this he's not peter parker isn't really dead Clark is really like just endless amounts of people screaming that their characters aren't really dead like yeah no shit um but uh, so my my thing is that I don't even think the second part narratively like it does pick up immediately, and I'm going to back up Alan saying that I think if this was all released at once, it would have been it would have worked better. But with part one ending, you feel like that is a major chapter. When part two begins, yeah, the episode takes place immediately afterwards, but then after that, the arc changes incredibly. Um, no one's really concerned about whether or not Adam survives because he survives like by the end of the next episode. Uh, there, there isn't really that much fear of Skeleton God, whatever Skeleton God, taking over Eternia because he's pretty much just obsessed with the one thing again, killing He Man. Uh, the the story, the second part of the story, doesn't really for me, didn't really have anything to do with any of what we established in the first part of the story. Even Skeletor becomes, like, the way Mark Hamill's Skeletor was presented was like, this guy has a plan, right? He got into the castle, he got, he killed his arch enemy, he got the power of Skull. but and the next arc is him being 80 Skeletor of just hyper-focus on something stupid. <laughs> I, I don't know. It just felt like it was fun. Yeah, but it really did feel disappointing. None of that. No, did any of you get, pick up on that at all? Or am I alone? Am I barking in the dark? I don't, I don't know there? if specifically I felt that way because it did feel like it. He did feel like he had escalated to the next level, but the next level was still at the same goal. It was still just like he couldn't get over because he sort of felt like, oh, I did it. There were he man's gone. We and like then it was suddenly revealed. Oh, crud. Now it's back to what I, I got to do it again. Um, but like maybe my plan this time like is just obtain more power to accomplish killing He-Man again. Um, I think it's it works for who we what we know the character is because we're still drawing off of some tropes from the the old cartoon. But like it's just about that obsession, and I feel like that still comes across from part one into part two. It's just he's be, he's a bit more cunning in getting there. Um, what I liked the most about it was Hamill plays him like this. He has Shakespearean level lines that are just all of a sudden stopped by um, almost as if the actor breaks character for a hot minute um, where like, there's that laughing scene where he's like, what are, what are we laughing at? Like, and then there's all that pathos is kind of dials down for a hot minute. And I was like, that's fantastic because that's what I think of when I think of the character is like these great speeches and like amazing but cadence broken up by cartoonish villainy. Yeah. 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 Uh, what, what about the, what about Ken, Ken, or uh, what do you think? I mean, I, I, I guess I can understand your where you're coming from. I didn't think of that going into it. I just saw this as yes, this is this is the continuation. My thing is Skeletor, I felt again, I think you brought up was always kind of obsessive about something. And mm. I, I think it just kept to his original character trait personally. 
He was just yeah. the he was the, the the two-dimensional villain that just wanted something and constantly went for it. And I guess my my it's maybe it was all about power. It was all about getting the power. And yeah, they were just like okay, now what do I do? And I think my compliment is like Revelation was the first one was like, oh, this is a different Skeletor. This is a more sinister. This is a bloodthirst. This is a Skeletor that could do something. Oh no, no, this is not. This is an idiot Skeletor <laughs> who's a who's again going to put his bony weird foot in his mouth. Uh, Pete, not any of that? Uh, I uh, no, I, I I liked it. I thought uh, I, I agree for the most part. I think it's uh, it's kind of in character to see him be hyper-focused because he's not stupid. Skeletor is not stupid. And the people, he, see... the people he employed might be stupid. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but he has these moments of brilliance, like his plan, you know, uh, hiding an evil in staff. But right. ultimately he's always undone by his obsession with defeating He-Man, with his obsession with getting the power, but he's never really considered what to do once he has the power, and that becomes his undoing. Yeah, uh, I, and I think burying the lead here for me is less Skeletor, although that is still kind of. You know, I can't argue too much about that. Like the Revelation Part Two gave me the Skeletor that I grew up with. Like that's mm. a weird complaint, and I can't really <laughs> say that. It's definitely, and it's the, the time where Skeletor really gets uh, like stage time in, in Part One. Just like He Man, there's flashbacks of Skeletor, and he has a moment in the beginning and the end. But like most of his actions are in the second part of that. And I, you know, I'm, I could take or leave it. Really, I thought it was pretty fun, but you know. What was disappointing to me, and it, I'm all over the place with this, honestly, all over the place with this, is the arcs for the other villains, uh, and really the antagonist for, for part two, which became Evil Lynn. Almost in the middle of part two, so you're like, talking about part two and a half, right? Because the first part of Evil Lynn, well, first part of this entire Netflix saga we could just sort of see who Evelyn really is, how she maybe has some regrets over her life decisions and who she aligned with, maybe has a, a, a warm heart underneath all that, uh, looks to help the heroes, you know, for her own sake, if, if for no other reason. In the second part, she's again regretting al aligning with Skeletor, but she's just surviving. And then abruptly, she sees that the universe is... Uh, guided by nothing but randomness and becomes a nihilistic monster whose only hope is to destroy everything. She becomes the villain in the second half and her arc is almost entirely thrown out up until the last episode, really. That's the only reason why I'm like pulling back. I was very upset up until the last episode. It is it is really weird because I, I do feel like there's a lot of buildup and then how it kind of shakes out where she gets the power felt so odd to me because like i i mean what did everyone think was going to happen like everyone throughout the entirety of that of part two and the first part of two uh is sort of negging her into making a decision or to kind of like betraying skeletor in some fashion whether it's beast man or man at arms or you know someone's trying to convince her like you, you're better than this and yeah. she doesn't really take that advice at least not in any way that I thought it was going to pan out. I think even the characters thought it was going to pan out. I doubt, I doubt man at arms was thinking, Oh, okay. If I, if I tell her this speech, then she'll become the bad guy. And like, to what end? Yeah. Like I thought that yeah, was yeah. what he was thinking. She does take the advice, but it doesn't like there's, there's no, doesn't happen. Right. So the story shows us her sitting there going like, I think it's right after talking to the beast, beast man for like the third time. And she says, I have to, I don't have to save myself. I have to save us all. And then, Next episode, she sees the what was it? The infinite uh, uh, personality vortex. That there's something in Hitchhiker's Guide where you you go in a room and you see yourself relative to the rest of the universe, and then you go and see. Uh, I'm sorry, that's just a deep cut for people who like Hitchhiker's Guide. But uh, yeah, what happens? Yeah, and yeah, she goes. She sees that the universe is meaningless and abandons part uh, Revelation one. Her motivation in there. And abandons the first half of this 
part where she's like, I'm going to save us. It no longer becomes about, I'm going to save us. Now, there's a little pin I'm going to put in that. Her argument, she does have an argument, and her argument is that existence is suffering and this is a mercy. Mm. But she has definitive evidence that heaven exists. <laughs> and her first well, action is to wipe it out. All right, Pete. No, you have. I was gonna say, she she does get rid of that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which, which was baller. Yeah, I was yeah. like, oh my god. That, well, the stakes are pretty high now, and I'm like, are we bringing that back? I mean, and we don't really get answers to that at the end. He man's mom says, and I think I quote, I wrote it down. She just killed everyone in heaven. <laughs> Same thing in my head. As soon as it happened, I'm like, oh my god, evil and murdered heaven. Like she just <laughs> destroyed heaven. It's so it's and, and then all of a sudden I had some weird Buffy the Vampire Slayer flashbacks afterwards. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, also it's we fun, have to consider right? but we also have to now. consider though that heaven is very exclusive. Not only is it only for people on Eternia, but it's only for like champions or heroes who prove themselves on Eternia. So it's like it's yeah. it's a really red rope situation there. So I, yeah. I, I she yeah. didn't destroy heaven. She destroyed Asgard. Yeah, exactly. Sure, sure. Yeah. And honestly, even a throwaway line uh, with like Lena Held, like, which is killing it in that role, just <laughs> saying um, like you know that's not a heaven for all of us. It's a heaven for the heroes, the good guys. What yeah. about the rest yeah. of us? Something like that. I'm like, oh, cool. You've acknowledged it, and now I'm back on. Like, but which, the which whole was a time I'm we thinking did have like, in part one too which like we're always missing that one line of dialogue that like kind of would clear up what's going on because absolutely what you just said would make perfect sense as to why she does it and like you know yeah because normally when you have a nihilistic villain of some sort uh there's a question about like what is the meaning of all of this and while zor which apparently is their creator god cool uh it was proven to have died in creation. By the way, Kevin Smith, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> this is a lot. <laughs> but okay. Uh, like it, that doesn't seem like it would have been motivation enough to counteract all the other things that she has experienced, even though her Aladdin backstory was messed up. <laughs> she had an Aladdin backstory, didn't she? Yeah, pretty much. Like, uh, I don't know. I don't know if Aladdin had the my parents wanted to eat me bit. <laughs> That's what Pete said. Yeah, in, in pre-production. Yeah, I don't know <laughs> if there was a quite a cannibalistic. And that was just a wonder, like they were smiling. They were so happy. That to was me. messed up. <laughs> it's messed up. Oh man, uh, totally just out of place. It was like what? <laughs> okay, sure. It it felt like I, I like I agree with you actually, Frank. Where I was sitting there, and that was the one of the only moments out of watching the entire series where I really had to pause it. I I literally paused it, and I was like, "Did they say that?" But not not that I like I was I was gone from the show forever or anything like that. But that was definitely one of those moments of like they were gonna eat her. <laughs> it was it's a it is a bit much. Um... And there are moments like that throughout, like uh, another example I could say is, and it's really the two negative evil bad uh, leads from Revelation 1, Beastman is amazing to me. It, again, yeah. I'll remind everyone who's watching live, you can comment and we'll, we'll, we'll talk to the comments in the show. It's a part of the fun. Uh, but Beastman like, had a pretty solid beginning of an arc in one and had things happening, like had soliloquies, had moments in Revelation that lit, at one point he i think the last episode or if not the penultimate episode he says turn me into battle beast man <laughs> <laughs> that's it no explanation for why he chose that no i, mean, I, think, I guess maybe I, he loves evil in but nah, you think he'd love no, I think he does get not... a, a explanation there because there's that there is a build-up to that oh, line or beast there a man yeah and eventually he just kind of like he sees that she's not winning the fight and he's kind of like um, I'm a beast. Like, if that's what's going to help you most here, then that's what I am. He basically says it the way Al just said it. He's like, I'm just FYI, I'm a beast. <laughs> I mean, I'm guessing he looked at it as, well, hell, if He-Man can become Savage He-Man, kind of like Savage Hulk, well, I'll, I'll take my turn, too. You know what? If Beastman had no motivation through it, like any of the other villains, like um, Triclops or the other people who kind of just have, like, a gimmick, it's fun to see how they got reimagined. 
but they don't really have like motivation. We didn't follow them enough to know what they're after. I'd be like, yeah, sure. Beast man wants beast power. So he wants more beastie. Sure. No problem. But like we went and he saw like, this isn't right. Skeletor is just wasting the power. Save yourself to, oh, you're going to destroy the entire world. Yeah. I'll help you out by being a giant tiger thing. Why not? <laughs> he went, he went full Dr. Moreau is what happened. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But like the nineties movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Where, where, where Brando was just like, I'm not doing this. And, and you and just sit there watching it. Are, is it like, are they men that became animals or vice versa? I still don't know where Beastman tracks. Yeah, he's somewhere in there. I, yeah. I, and it's weird. This The series is full of moments where like, it's a victim of its own success. It sets something up that's cool that makes me think, all right, what? And then it's like, oh, nothing. That's what. Nothing happens. <laughs> Even the Savage He-Man, which had a was a pretty cool moment. I think we're officially calling him Savage He-Man. That was a pretty cool moment. But like, you know, he almost kills his dad, but his dad hugs him and it gets out of it. But why do why don't that, we see him again? I, no, I, I, thought the, I thought the whole arc worked great. I I really enjoyed it. I thought yeah. I thought we got set up and payoff for that whole entire thing. And I'll be honest, I think that was the one thing that that took me out of the show. The Savage He-Man, the what, whole the whole Randor hugging him saying. You know, okay, calm down. This, you know, I'm giving you what you, you know, the affection I should have given you for like forever ago. It'll, it took He Man to tear his head off for him to say, I love you, son. <laughs> Maybe like, that kind of took me out of it a little bit. I don't, I don't know why that hit me real hard when I was watching that. <laughs> I, that, like, I really fell for that one. That, I like, absolutely. I was like, I'm, oh no, I'm man. Happy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, he is I, proud of you. I don't know. I, that one, that one hit right for me. I was, I, I, I should... was there for that. I was yeah, saying, real quick, I think for me, the whole thing was with everything else going on, that was the, the one melodramatic point of this of this, uh, this half. And it was too much and it tipped you over, yeah. Yeah, because there's so many other things that you could have focused the melodramatic on, and that was the one thing. I'm like, mm, okay. Uh, sometimes it works. I think Sarah Michelle Gellar's Tila doing all the, like, I can't believe you lied to me, Adam, shtick from the last last arc and sort of some of this i think it worked well i think her delivery was perfect i think it worked yeah. I, I was like yeah she would be a little ups she would be upset about that yeah being like but and maybe that's also because tila was such a big character in the original series like she was there all the time but like king randor like his only role was to be like oh my son you're always partying he treats like he treated um adam like adam was bruce wayne like a millionaire playboy right and it wasn't like it, I never felt bad for Adam. So like when at, to see that Adam had all this unresolved issues with his dad, I was like, this is a lot. I forgot this character was a person. I, I feel like this is once again. And Diedrich one of those Bader is Diedrich Bader in. I just couldn't like lose it. So like for me, it was it. I think I'm a little bit more like Ken. It kind of stuck out a little bit more. You know what I wish they had spent more of the, the, the time on relationship-wise? Frank, you were mentioning about, you know, Tila being upset, finding out about everything. What I wish we had gotten more of was the uh, Queen Marlena-King Randor relationship and how their marriage seemed to have been falling apart. I that thought was... that was really interesting. I yeah. thought maybe I missed something there, but I guess not. <laughs> no, I guess they just didn't give it to us. Yeah, no, they just didn't give it to us. Uh, like sometimes it, parents are only together for the kids. Yep, that's the lesson at the end of Revelations. <laughs> but like, no, I can see how that would happen. Like they lost their child, and like he, like they talk about it a little bit, where uh, he begrudged her because she knew um, all along that their son was He Man, and she never told him. And even when he got around to like accepting, understanding that, like he had already done so much damage that now the was on her and she wasn't forgiving for how he treated her. They went over some dialogue about it. It was all, I, I agree. We could have spent some actual yeah. time with those characters having yeah. those conversations rather than her kind of info dumping to her son. It's, it's kind of surprising those two were together in the first place anyway. I mean, they're from <laughs> two different worlds. Yeah, yeah. yeah. literally. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That's my only reaction to that. That's going to sound great on the podcast, by the way. Um, all I have here is such a weak trick, and I'm not sure what that's about, but I think it's the way Evelyn manipulates Skeletor, 
which we could th- I don't know why I put down weak trick and I didn't mean like trick is not a play on words, right. but I think she manipulated him all right. <laughs> <laughs> Very Ooh. uncomfortable moment. Way too like like all right, the 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 sexuality of this moment. I don't I personally don't have much to say about it. It was odd to me, but I think that's kind of the red that is the white no that I was gonna say that's the distraction. That's the um in a weird way, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me almost of the original Infinity Gauntlet with Nebula actually yeah, uh, tricking Thanos. Was it her tricking Thanos into so that she was able to, to, to take the gauntlet? Oh, oh, yes. Where in the he, comic, he, he left his body. Yeah. She, yeah, yeah. He left his body and she, she took the opportunity to seize the gauntlet to take the power from him. Yeah, well, she didn't really trick him as much as she could. Like crippled her way towards it as he was tortured, <laughs> and his body. Uh, that's a whole yeah. I think thing. it was Adam Warlock who convinced him to get rid of it. Right. Yeah. It was something or like to, to abandon his physical body. Right. Yeah, we're, right. we're completely off uh, script now, but yeah, there was some. So yes, there, everyone's talking about how weird that moment was, and how and I'm, if anybody has any uh, hot takes that you want to spill right now, please do. The but there's something behind that that I really want to show, about. and it comes out of nowhere, really. Yeah. Like, because I'm sorry, no I'll other, say that again. Uh, it's the only like sexual bit in the entire show, which is why it feels like it comes out of nowhere. Like, I almost wish that she had done it, and like it didn't work, and he was and Skeletor just been like, "What did you expect me to say? The power return? Oh!" And then like all of a sudden, like, he oh god, <laughs> you know oh what? my god, that would have been better. I'll actually <laughs> give it. No, I'll actually give it a buy based on how the first part ended because we had this whole thing where Evelyn had the opportunity to leave to be with the heroes and she chose to go back to Skeletor. And I just assumed at that point with that part of the show happening, that's why she regained them because she was going to turn the tide and not let Skeletor keep it. She was just biding time to actually do it. Right. I think that's what we all thought up until like the halfway point of this second half where suddenly she became the villain again. And that feels like it's a, oh, it's another twist to a story that's good storytelling. But I don't think it is. I think it really is a dropped lead. I think we have a bunch of characterization and agency this character had that just kind of vanished up until the last episode. Um, The the thing, the elephant, the, I'm I'm losing the phrase I'm looking for, but the, the misdirect here for the sexy, uh, the sexy uh, Evelyn. All right, Darren Patterson. I knew. I'm so glad he he got to say this. Darren Patterson <laughs> says Evelyn mounting and Sidious Skelter was definitely something. Yeah, it was, it was my entire Friday night. It's all I got to say. <laughs> right. So <laughs> beyond the weirdness and the sexual, the, the the maybe even the coolness. Maybe this is some fan fiction you had in your head for a while. And actually, it is kind of interesting from another perspective. Uh, she is in an abusive relationship with a with a manipulating monster, right? Yeah. Like she doesn't choose to go to with Skeletor at the end of Revelation. What choice does she have? He will kill her if she doesn't, right? So like that's and the the series does talk about it and deal with it to a certain extent. Beastman and 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 Evelyn have a heart to heart that is completely ignored in the next episode or two. But the other weird thing about that moment is it is very silly in a way. Like the Skeletor this is definitely the moment Skeletor stops being the Skeletor we've seen in the first part of Revelation where he's like a genius who planned this whole thing. Uh before he became the like this this demon, the, the the opening of the show refers to him as a demon, the demon Skeletor, is kind of like a little horny, <laughs> and he can be manipulated, uh, and it just felt off to me. It was rescued by a wonderful line, you can't love, you can only crave. So like this, that is, the whole thing about this series is like, I'm like, I hate this, but I really like this. And they're almost married together. I can't have one without the other. It's all, I almost want a second draft of this if I can. Uh, yeah. By the way, that's the, that's the new about- ad campaign for White Castle. <laughs> you can't love, I think you can only create. Also, we had to say about the first one, though, was we like, we're like, man, if there was just another draft, because I feel like the dialogue is so much sharper now than one it was in part one. Yeah. But like, the pacing, which was fine in part one, is now really all over the place in part two. Yeah. I, I don't know. There's something off about it. It's hard to... I, I have all these weird things 
what was Tila's plan? The rise of Skywalker message to everyone. Tila, who like Tila went from okay, here's another character whose agency and backstory gets thrown out the window. An, an entire series or half a series, I don't know how to refer to this. And it's their choice to have split it up. So I can't like I'm not gonna say yeah. anything about it. But basing ba she now rejects magic and and in every way, right? Tila did not that was a big thing for her. And we kind of knew why, because everyone knows that Tila has something to do with the sorceress that's been there from the beginning. And there's going to be some sort of like hard choice she would have to make regarding magic. But she doesn't make that choice. At some point, she realizes magic is her thing now and just takes it and goes with it. So she doesn't want to use a like she just wants a, to to magic a message using magic message, probably spell TM to well, the, all of Eternia so that they could rise of Skywalker show up and fight whatever evil is coming down she, the pike. She, she did have the force go sorceress briefly to help her out. And this, her goal for the message happened pre sorceress. She's like, I'm just going to go to Grayskull and hopefully there'll be a force go sorceress there to teach me how to do this because I don't really know what I'm doing. I just, it just was like, it's stupid. It was just characters passing the, the idiot ball so they can move the story forward in a weird way. And I I don't know. It just felt like it wasn't necessary. It felt well, like it was I all shoehorned in to get these big moments. I, I definitely have been agreeing with a lot of your grievances here, but like, I don't know, Tila seemed fine. Like, I, I don't know what it was or why it hit different for me. Maybe it's the same reason why the Savage He-Man arc hit better for me than other people did. But her arc seemed fine. It like at, at no point that I feel like it was like I, it worked. She was uh, I got I think we got over the hump in part one about the problems with magic. And this was just more about, you know, and because the problems with her magic really, I think, do come from what she says in this uh, in this part, which is, you know, I've kind of always known I I, I, I didn't always say right. it to myself, but I like and that was where it came from. And I her arc isn't so much about just overcoming that hump. It's it's about like wait, I can be different from this. I don't have to choose these things or make these mistakes that you did. Right. And uh, so to clarify, I don't think her arc is bad. And I think you gave great examples for why it's good. I yeah. think her, her, the, the, the stuff they have her doing is kind of wasted or weird. I'm going to message all of Eternia feels like it's like padding. You know, it doesn't feel like what a main character is doing in a story. She's not actually like it's not a goal that actually I don't even think it's a goal that has real consequences. A bunch of people show up with pitchforks and then the bee guys and and the Hawkmen show up as well. Maybe it's just that that final battle wasn't really compelling to me so that when everybody showed up, I didn't really like want to reward anyone for doing it. I also don't know why people needed a message saying, come on, let's all fight back against our imminent deaths. You're right, Tila. I should <laughs> fight back against my imminent death. Would be a bad thing. Yeah. So like it's just a little muddy, but yeah, I don't think it's a bad arc. Uh I and actually in terms of Tila and Evelyn, because we don't get the resolution in the last till the last episode, which is how stories work. So bad on me for being upset throughout it. But like <laughs> Evelyn and Tila both kind of like are going along with the story until that last episode where Evelyn gets a little bit of perspective thanks to Tila which is kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, and goes back to her original kind of message. And then Tila uh, also decides that she is, doesn't have to be like the sorceress. And that's cool too. It just feels like there's a lot of weird things that were forced in to make the conflict uh, the way it came out. Like it, it doesn't feel like it was pieced together correctly. It feels like it was just sort of jangled together. I think Maybe, it's more of like, I, but I don't know. It's it's weird. I I wish I could point out where exactly I'm I'm I can feel or feel different about it. But like, it's one of those weird moments. Where it's like I don't know. I don't get it. Like like it's, yeah. the message worked for me. I didn't really feel like it it hit wrong or felt like it was the padding. closest I can say that is it's from what you said in the beginning. Where like if this was all released at once, would this have been more like oh okay I get this what yeah. this is. But the for me when I see a story that has a 
definitive part one and definitive part two. Like I want them to relate to each other in a way yep. that this didn't quite. Ken, you were going to say something uh, just now. I, I kind of agreed with Al about the whole Tila story arc, but I think part of it also was being a fan and kind of knowing the characters. And I think it's that weird moment where the writers and the audience are all on the same page where it's like, yeah, we all know that this is going to happen. We're, we're just, we just have to get to it. And they just did it very rushedly, like very yeah. quickly. Yeah. I think there, there was something uh, pacing might be it, but it's hard to put my finger on exactly why. Yeah. Uh, why it that I can relate to. So, uh, and then the line, what in the universe did Tila put in that message? A little magic. <laughs> it's a kind of magic, Frank. <laughs> it's a kind of magic. Speaking of lines, oh, does anyone have anything else to say about the like the overall arc or anything? Or do we want to go into like moments or anything in particular that we want to bring up? How about Orko the White, as Pete has as his name? Ah. I was I was very I don't know what the right word is, but I was taken aback, I guess, by them undoing all the deaths in the first half. It's like, everybody, it's like, you get to come back alive, and you get to come back alive. Not you, Roboto. You stay dead. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I'm lost, man. Fisto didn't come back. Truly yeah, poor Fisto. Oh, man. Fisto and Fisto. other guy. What's the clamp? Uh, ch uh, clamp champ? Clamp champ. champ. Wow. Real name Franklin. <laughs> 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 he, they both died, got their souls captured, destroyed, became undead, and then died again. I, I love that at the end, Evil Lynn grabs Orko. It's like, oh no, 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 no. You don't have to go, you don't have to go back. That's all it takes. And it's... nobody, nobody like, else. Oh, wait, go grab some of our other friends. <laughs> no one gets and at no point does He-Man say, wait, mom. <laughs> I just I just thought too, it's just like of all people Evil Lynn did, like Orko's going. He's like, I gotta go. None of his friends thought to <laughs> to, to pull him back. But Evil was like, oh, all right, yeah, no problem. Yoink. <laughs> Had a did he man's mom die in this? No, no, but, uh, okay. I thought she did. No, because oh, there's no Pete. No, uh, she I... launched Ram Man into, into a fight. Yeah, that was yeah. the last thing we saw. Ram Man <laughs> being a, a nuclear weapon or whatever, like a drop was fine. I was yeah. more than happy. That was good. That. I'm, I'm glad they didn't kill him. It. It. it was just like, oh no, he's here. It's fine. Yeah. My only problem with it, I just don't see Danny Trejo as Ram Man. <laughs> yes. I, didn't, I didn't even recognize his I, voice. I, I love I, Danny Trejo. I love the voice. I just they didn't mesh for me. Ken? I thought I thought it was an interesting take on how Ram Man's legs work. They were I, like spirally springs. Oh, interesting. Like the toy. <laughs> no, I mean, well, the, yeah, the toy was just like a oh, were yeah. stiff legs. Yeah. 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 The springs were interior on the toy. You couldn't see them. Right. Uh, I, yeah, I did enjoy that Tila at least got, got to do it her way at the end, at the very end of the episode. But there was a lot of just following the beats. Down yeah. to when she was going for the rescue mission. I don't know if that was intentionally a rescue mission. But th it seemed like she was going to the... They were trying to rescue Man-at-Arms and Man-at-Arms rescued them. Mm. And the, who were those guys? Pigman and... Yeah. Goatman and Pigboy. I have an answer for this. Okay. They're two of the most obscure Masters of the Universe characters in existence. Goatman appeared in a single golden book. Wow. Uh, and appeared in no other media. Pig Boy was a character from the Masters of the Universe movie who was a third grade young boy who won a contest to appear in the movie. He appears in one scene when Skeletor comes back to Eternia from Earth and Pig Boy hands him his staff. Wow. That that, that reminds me, Blade was in this movie. I was going to say, speaking of the movie, 
Yeah, speaking of the movie, the character Blade from from the live action was in it too. I thought that yeah. was really cool. Oh, I didn't even notice that. These are <laughs> incredible factoids that uh, make me appreciate this no more. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Frank, it would have been so much better if Karg was there. Of course, yeah that that would have tied the entire thing together. And a yep. neat little bow, not uh, Sauron. <laughs> so nah, he he died too early. <laughs> I'll, I'll also throw out one last criticism, except for like Rand Man, and I guess Fisto. And I really wasn't happy. Like I didn't. I loved seeing all these characters come back in the part one of of Revelations and seeing how they get reinterpreted or whatever. Even like a little bit of like Triclops was cool, uh, and Trapjaw was cool. But this like there wasn't really anybody in this one. Uh, you know, Scareglow gets a, another scene for whatever reason, and um, and th again, there is of course Fisto who uh does also make an appearance. Thank you, Darren, for for giving us the quote. I sure would like to fist him, was an actual <laughs> line in this. There were three of those puns, I think, all within like a minute, and yeah, all I, yeah. <laughs> there's just so many but like there wasn't a, there wasn't as much as the first part and i i kind of miss those i i really did enjoy those in the first part yeah uh, but other than that uh i think we could talk about moments we enjoyed moments we really didn't like that just stuck with us uh there even are completely non sequiturs i have the i didn't like the when the mist was corrosive and he's like it's not meant there's some weird line of dialogue about the magic Corrosiveness. I'm not even gonna. If I didn't write it down, then it's not worth talking about. Does anybody else have one? I liked the the Zorb bits, like uh, the origin of the uh, planet kind of stuff. I felt was that really was good. Awesome. Yeah, that was great visual storytelling where you kind of where we see it the first time and then see it the the time again, and like that really worked really well. There's also that other time where the animation kind of changes with He Man in the middle of the fight, where that was really awesome. Yeah, that was pretty cool. I enjoyed that. Anybody else? I like the callback to Queen Marlene of actually being a pilot. That was cool. Yeah. All right. You're right. I'm, and some of these are just me missing because they're not as they weren't as big a character, right? But yeah, that's mm. definitely a callback. Pete, do you got anything? I just liked seeing Point Dread finally. I don't think it ever oh. appeared in in the yeah. uh, filmation cartoon. The infamous yeah. toy, but not. I don't know. Uh, if yeah. It, uh, I, yeah, I, I had Point Dread as a kid, and I loved that thing. So, uh, all right, I have a couple of little nitpicks that I wrote out, but and also a, a, a cool thing. So, find safe positions. There are no safe positions behind me. <laughs> That's just a mean thing to do to a peasant. <laughs> chase, chase after Evan and hope you're in the wake of his destruction. <laughs> I don't know. And it also feels like, why did you, you literally just said that yeah. to set up the behind me. Like, uh, just say, get behind me. Yeah, you could have just said that. It would have been <laughs> much easier, much more direct. Uh, but I love the nod to let this be our final battle. Yes, yes. When I heard it, I, I like, I said it out loud as it was happening. And I'm like, what is that from? Why do I, I feel like that's from something silly, but also um, the movie, that's from the sure. movie. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Let this Frank list the Longjetta. Long, yeah. Frank Langella. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah, there are plenty of moments in here. Anybody have a moment that we didn't talk about that they want to call out specifically? I was not a fan of the very ending with uh Skeletor and Triclops and Trapjaw, you know, setting whatever happened to Skeletor being enveloped by the uh, technology and then Hordax symbol just popping up at the end. I'm like, nah, that didn't do it for me. Really? And I, 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 that, I love that. Cause it was you setting gonna, up the I just new figured adventures gonna... of He-Man where he gets the, the cyber stuff on him in like that sequel series. Oh, uh, God, I, hope they don't, I hope they don't go there. <laughs> <laughs> that actually was... makes me afraid. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually kind of surprised that Mother Brain is affiliated with the Horde. Yeah, it does. I mean, could we be seeing a Shira Samus team up in the future? 
Everything's an IP. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Al, any moments that you want to pull out? No, we haven't really like talked about. Like a little on the on the weak side. Like I'm trying to think of any of no anything that... at all. Just like a moment that we we didn't mention that we maybe want to talk about. Because the last thing we have to talk about is really about whether we like this and who this was for. Yeah. Um, which we could just get into right away. Honestly, like I think that a lot of the action scenes were just done really, really well. I mean, I can't I can't complain about how like they were very visceral and I was really there for most of them. I can't mm -hmm. pick one out specifically besides the one time when the the animation went through that change, but they were all like really like I thought compelling. Like it was really good action moments. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. The animation and the action was fun. Uh so like did this do its job that this refresh the IP and who is this for? Is this for people? This is definitely for to some extent Masters of the Universe fans, people who are fans of at least either the 2000X or the 80s version, right? Mm -hmm. I, I don't mm -hmm. know if a lot of people are going to stumble onto this and be like, I have never seen any of this. I don't really care, but this is great because it's so referential, right? It focuses back so much. I'll, I'll tell it, you right now. Yeah. The show is for me. Yeah. There were things I nitpicked and, and you know, had some issues with, but I loved it from start to finish, to be honest. I, I really enjoyed this. Pete, what did you yeah. think? I, it was not for new fans. Yeah. I'll tell you, it, this was, uh, this was for people who enjoyed the, uh, the filmation series, enjoyed all the other, uh, I would say mostly the eighties uh, stuff. Uh, yeah, I would agree. That was, it's, it's, it is mostly a continuation of the, the 1980s series. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. And actually I'd say if, it goes so far as to say, if you were a fan of the uh, 2000 X series, you're probably a little bit disappointed in this because it seems like Skeletor is not Keldor. He's not Superman's uncle. Superman's <laughs> uncle. No, you were right. Yeah. Well, yeah. he's not Superman's uncle either. He might be. We don't know. Was it for you, though, Pete? Ah. Yeah. 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 It was It was for me. I don't know if I liked it, but it was. they tried to make it for me. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Al, what about you? What do you think? Who is this for? Um, as a person who liked the 2000X series when I was uh, younger... And like going into middle school, high school, um, I don't know. It kind of hit. There were a few beats from that series that did hit for me in this one, so it felt like it, it was for me as well because I really liked it. And I have very little to no experience with the uh, with the original '80s show. So going off of what I did have from when I was younger, um, like I don't. Yeah, I, I kind of I dug it. I like even if I don't know if this was necessarily for me, but I really liked it. So I mean, there's that. There you go. Uh, yeah, I think. I'm all over the place with this show. I don't know if I like, I, I got it. I enjoyed it. Right. I did. I definitely enjoyed it, but I'm actually yeah. surprised. It wasn't what I was expecting. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, because the, my biggest problems with it is that it didn't, it didn't X. It's not about whether or not this is a, a true to form continuation of the 80s. I don't really care about that. Right. But it like, did it actually deliver on all the things it want it set up throughout and mostly no mostly no most of it was evil in going from having a existential crisis to being a crazy woman with too much power right that's that's kind of the story we ended up getting uh, Tila having a bunch of uh, identity issues going to the well now fulfill your role as a sorceress until that last episode where they at least addressed it and kind of course corrected on it. So if it weren't for that last episode, I'd probably be like on this, <laughs> but you know, they, they, they course corrected. They, they went to where the, the story should have been. I think they could have done a much better job of it in some ways if they had yeah. tightened it up a little bit, but overall I enjoyed it. Um, are we going to do like, we're gonna do can mints, I, near mints. Yeah, Pete. Can I revise what I was what I said before? Sure. I want to say what, what this is is He-Man fans, people who so, people who grew up playing with He-Man, 
and absorbing the media. This was a chance to have those little uh, th- those games they played with the action figures, the new, the original adventures that they created in their heads. You know, the, the, you playing th- this this was a chance for them to put that on the screen. You know, this was the continuing adventures of He-Man as I'll just put Kevin Smith on it as yeah. Kevin Smith played with his action figures as a kid and made up the stories in his mind. Right. And I think you could enjoy that. You could be like, yeah, Kevin, that's a good story. That was fun. Yeah. Like I'll come over to your house again. Or you could be <laughs> like, no, that wasn't the way I would play with it. Agreed. Uh, and I think that's where a lot of the internet arguments come from. Uh, and my, my thing wasn't even about whether or not I agree with the way Kevin Smith plays with it. It's more like, Kevin, you weren't paying attention to what you said in the first few minutes. <laughs> and Kevin's like, I'm playing with toys here. Shut up. <laughs> But did you that, know that the 1980s kind of, show was originally a toy commercial? <laughs> no. Um, yeah. But I, I appreciate like, it on that level. If you accept it as that's what it is, yeah, it's fun. Yeah. So I think we all kind of liked it. I think it was pretty yeah. good. We, uh, all right. That was that was easy. So I we could end here um, and like come back in a minute and Al and I will talk about He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, the CGI show, as Pete immediately closes his camera and walks out. <laughs> uh, but, uh, I will say this, because uh, we did not agree to watch it all, and I've only gotten, I think, two or three episodes in. Uh, and I did not, I jokingly did one of the things you can't do on the internet anymore. You can't use hyperbole. And I said, this is the worst thing I've ever seen when I saw the original trailer. Um I may have even said this murdered my childhood, but like, <laughs> like I'm intentionally dragging, like, you know, making the joke. Yeah. Um, in reality, it just didn't look like it was for me. I, I think it was, and the trailer was just awful it's, for me. It's a very, it's, I've said this a thousand times in conversation. It's a kid's show with a capital K. And I have no problems with kids' shows, and I can still say that even if it's a kids' show, I can like it, and I yeah. don't, don't like this even as a kids' show. So it's not about it being too kiddy. It's about, like, it wasn't for me. It looked like a really bad trailer. Uh, but I did, fr- just because I like to hurt myself, watch two episodes, and that first episode was just me going, what is this? What is this? I don't no. like the CGI. I don't like the character designs. I don't know what the hell they're following. The voiceovers don't fit in perfectly. It, it wasn't. Like, there's no reason for this to be He-Man. This could have been an original property, but yeah. for the fact that they wanted to keep relaunching this IP. Then I got to the end of that first episode into the second episode. Pete, I want you to say what you're going to say before I continue. I, I do need to ask you, because so far, everything that you have said can also apply to the new adventures of Super of He-Man. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it it did remind me a lot of that actually, and it is an Why is this He Man? Yeah, it is, and that's what I remember thinking at the time at New Adventures of He Man. Going, why is this He Man? And uh, same thing. I was like, why is this He Man? And by yeah. the end of that first episode, into the second episode, it's not like there's a major twist or anything. Yeah, there really isn't. But I'm like, I see where they're going. Okay, that's interesting. This might actually be okay. The theme music is still horrifying, objectively. I've never hit skip intro harder yeah. than I have with this. Yeah. CGI is just like my personal taste. I actually do think sometimes they're on model and sometimes the animation is actually beautiful. So if you are an animator on the series, please don't uh, be upset. But, you know, you know it's, it was hit or miss. But like I got where they were going with this and I think it might actually be pretty cool and pretty fun and enjoyable. And I kind of know why it would be He-Man. But there seemed like a, a deliberate attempt, both in the trailer and in that first episode, believe it or not, of making you feel like most of the time, like this is not He-Man, which is a weird flex that a lot of people who are giving us our our childhood IPs back. I don't know why the obsession there. If you remember the trailer for this, there's a moment where Adam says, by the power of Grayskull, I have the power. And he says it in such a stupid way. And it's just like, why are you like lampshading the big moment for why would I want to watch this in context? It makes perfect sense. He Adam wields the sword in self-defense at one moment and an inscription shows up and he reads it for the first time. So he doesn't know what he's reading. That's the first and only time he reads it that way. 
and it's the part they used in the trailer that yeah. makes you think that they weren't gonna that they they didn't give a crap about this. It reads as lampshading, but in reality, it's just out of context. So it's weird. It's weird that the people who control these IP and uh, don't like don't know how to deliver it. Even this delivering it as like a long movie may have been better than a two series slash one series two part. Yeah, and I think it just made it confusing for no for no reason. Bearing the lead that Tila was going to be the lead in most of it. I think I I would like to believe that most Masters of the Universe fans are fans of fiction would be okay with this if they knew what they were getting before they got in. And yeah, you don't want to hide the fact that He-Man dies in the first for shock value in the first few minutes of the of the first episode, but eh, there's better ways of doing it. Uh, yeah, I think this is pretty good. Uh, I do, I do. We have two quick commercial things that we have to play that I want you all to stick around with. Uh, and when we come back, we're going to say our goodbyes and last thoughts if you have any. Okay. So this is going to take like a minute or two. It's, it's really quick. We have a brand new bump I need to share with all of you. Everybody was really a big fan of the original bump, uh, from our first He Man Masters of the Universe or Master of the Universe Revelations video. You remember that? Um, yeah. So we have a sequel, and it was—it it really is a tour de force. So stay tuned. Remember, everyone, if we were a power couple, our name would be Beast Men at Arms. Subscribe today! Oh, that's it? <laughs> that was it? No background music or anything? Good night, everybody. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's it. This was fun. If they, I don't know if there's ever going to be a season two. I don't know if Kevin Smith can emotionally. Be cool if there was. I don't know if they're going to do it, but it'd be cool. He's, I, he seems so sad right now, and I actually do feel bad for him because I just actually just did. Up. Did anybody watch like that whole after show thing? I, not for I, part haven't. two. Was there one for part two? I just saw the one for part one. Yeah, it almost gone. seems like they intentionally edited him out of most of it. Ooh. Oh no! Oh, that's a, that's interesting. Yeah, he's definitely not in it as much as the first part. Oh no! This, I mean, everyone involved did they brought their all. I think there was a lot of great voice work here, a lot of great animation, uh, and it was fun. It was a it, like my biggest complaints about this. Honestly, my biggest complaints were. You guys had done so much good work and you didn't deliver on all of it. But, you know, they at least did the work. There's yeah. There's a lot of good stuff that could be mined for this in future future installments and and things like that. So if you're listening Netflix and we know you are, um you subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh does anyone have anything to plug before we go off? Nope. Nope. <laughs> I just have this. Hey, Skeletor. Yes, Joker? We sure had a lot of fun today, didn't we? Oh, we sure did. And you know what else is fun? No, what else? But you're the Joker. How do you not know what else is fun? I... I don't... I... I wear cuckoo banana pants. Oh, all right. Yes, fine. You know what else is fun? Yeah, what else is fun? Hitting subscribe on this channel. (laughs) Oh, you don't seem convinced. No, seriously. I learned something today. If you... I'm going to get close to the camera, uncomfortably close. Hey, look at me. If you want to show support to uh, the independent creators and not just these huge media franchises, you should like, follow, subscribe. That whole deal... Uh, specifically, subscribing to us on YouTube and Twitch really does d- do the trick. It really gets me in my funny bone. <laughs> that should be my joke. I lost my voice. <laughs> also, Superman is here. Yay! Subscribe, like, and follow. We learned something today. And, and knowledge is power. Boom. I don't, guys, guys, I don't, I really think, I don't think any of this is on brand. Yeah. Subscribe today. You got it all, buddy. Yeah, we are buddies. I'm Batman.
I just want to come back. I was going to just close, but one of the few joys I have in life is watching your faces <laughs> as you watch that video. And I don't know if I'm ever going to get a chance to use that bump again. Really, I've used it too much already. But uh, it's just great. That one can never go away, man. Nope. <laughs> no. Uh, all right. Good so night, when would you not use it? Yeah, it's true. It's I mean, it's got everyone. It's got DC characters. It's got Mattel characters. It's got everyone. There we go. Yeah. It's got I mean, Batman. Honestly, when, when you're not going live, I, I think you should just be uh, broadcasting that on a loop. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I think that'll get a lot of subscribers. <laughs> All right. Good night, everybody. This was Good fun. night, everybody. Good night, everybody. This has been a non-productive media presentation. Executive producer, Frank Hablaoui. This program and many others like it on the Non-Productive Network is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. Please share it, but ask before trying to change it or sell it. For more information, visit non-productive.com.